0: Canucks Central in the KinTech Studio. It's Dan Richo, Satyar Shah. This hour is brought to you by Andrew Sherritt Limited, your plumbing and heating wholesaler, a proud family-owned BC company, helping local business since 1892. Uh, so alluded to this uh, at the end of the last hour, where we talked to Irfan Ghaffar and spoke about Rick Tockett's potential influence on the lineup. But essentially, Keith the Water guy saying if Rick Tockett was the Kessel whisperer, can he be the Brock Besser whisperer, Sat.
1: Uh, I mean, in terms of whispering in somebody's ear and getting them to be a better player, sure, why not? Uh, but at the same time, I don't think Phil Kessel and Brock Besser are comparable players necessarily. Now, some um, parallels in terms of some of the
0: offensive abilities, but Phil Kessel, really good skater. Yeah. Like he I mean, was a-
1: at his peak, a really good skater.
0: Phil Kessel, um, I just feel like is an incredibly underrated player around the league because of yeah. his reputation. But I you mean, look at his scoring years. I mean, guy was about as good a scoring winger as there has been in the league. Whereas Besser, he's kind of settled in towards being a fifty to sixty point wing, which isn't terrible, but it's not necessarily near the level that Phil Kessel was. I would say. So one thing Tockett has talked about a lot already is if if we get to our structure, if we get playing like a team, playing without the puck, inherently, we'll all play faster. Mm -hmm. The puck will move more. And and we saw this with Sutter and Calgary, where this isn't necessarily a fast team, but they started playing a lot faster. They made the Canucks look like molasses at times last year, right? And... I think that's something that could help a player like Brock, where maybe he's not the most fleet of foot, almost in a Tyler Toffoli mold, where makes like the way the team plays and they play with team speed can help overcome some of his, uh, you know, lack of foot speed at, at times. Yeah, no, I, that's I, at least the hope. Uh, let's get to Ian McIntyre, the triple threat, on radio, on television, and of course, digitally at Sportsnet.ca. Recently, writing a piece. About JT Miller. What's happening, IMAC? Not too much. How are you guys? Sounded like you were finishing washing dishes right now. Is that true?
2: I might be, I might be. <laughs> Except I'm not washing dishes. I'm just putting some water in the kettle. But maybe I'll stop and give you my full, of, oh, full what, attention. How about that? Good years, by the way, you.
0: <laughs> what's the go-to tea at five o'clock in the uh, in the afternoon? Oh, just early black. evening.
2: Okay, a black tea, some kind of black tea. Oh
1: uh, Yeah, so. I mean you need some caffeine because uh, this is this is halftime. You still have another okay. like and a nine hours to go before you can, before you can go to bed. Yeah,
2: I know, and it's <laughs> a it's a. I, I was outside this afternoon. It's it's a tea kind of day. It's yeah. a typical Vancouver winter day. You know who is uh, I think the best example of the team whose individuals are so not fast, but the team plays fast is the Tampa Bay Lightning, mm. who won two cups. And if you look at their roster, yeah, they okay. They've got Braden Point and and Stamkos still gets around the ice, okay. But you look at so many guys on that team and individually, if you ran them through a skills contest, uh, they'd be beaten by a lot of people in the skills contest. But you put them together and they're so well drilled and coached by John Cooper and they have uh, such a high standard uh, for each other and accountability and everybody plays the right way and the same way and there's predictability to their game. That's, that's what allows you to play fast. You, you, uh, among many things, you have to have predictability Mm -hmm. in your game in order to be a fast team so that the five guys on the ice play as a unit and everyone knows what everyone else is doing. The Canucks have no predictability in their game.
1: Yeah, I mean, and a lot of the a lot of the reasons for that it comes down to how this team plays and how prepared they are, and a lot of the things that they've been doing wrong, Ian, is very simple things, right? Like line changes, they're they're not getting right, and that's been a big focus of what Rick Talker was talking was uh, discussing today with the media, and and those are the things that have been the most flabbergasting, haven't they? Watching this team, it's it's a simple, basic things that they should be getting right that they haven't been getting right.
2: Yeah. I think we're going to hear a lot more about culture and accountability. The C word and the A word were pretty prevalent uh, at the start of this season, with what the organization was hoping to achieve, and and then everything has kind of been sidetracked or distracted by by the the circus that was the coaching firing and and how poorly handled it was by the Canucks. As I said on on my column for Sportsnet.ca, the one of the most remarkable achievements this season is that the Canucks managed to make the coach of a 27th place team a martyr. You know there were all kinds there were all kinds of reasons if, if you looked at it objectively to say okay well this coach and this group it's not working let's get a different coach but the way they handled it was so poor that that they they You know, as I say, they made a martyr of Bruce Boudreaux. But now that they finally have this management group and their coach aligned, I think we're going to basically go back to where we were coming into the season, where you're going to hear a lot about culture and accountability and things like line changes and back checking and playing on the correct side of the puck. That's all part of all part of culture. You know, culture is not off off the ice although it's partly off the ice but it's a lot of a lot of it is on the ice and in, in how you play and doing you know being diligent with your details and and becoming predictable like doing it over and over and over and over the right way so that the guys around you if they're also doing it the right way you can all play faster and better i, I think the, these are going to be theme words from now to the end of the season
0: yeah, we've already heard Tockett mention uh, things like that, and you know, going back to Jim Rutherford and some of his early press conferences when he first took over, he he talked about uh, those sorts of things, and of course, uh, when he was uh, critiquing the structure earlier this year uh, as well. But uh, as much, yeah,
2: which wasn't which wasn't helpful. He wasn't wrong, but it wasn't helpful. You yeah, know, he, you know, presumably he was having those conversations with Boudreaux, but it, you know, at those kind of things becoming public that that becomes more of a distraction then that becomes the story not that boy their, their structure isn't where it needs to be it's whoa the general manager is throwing the coach under the bus here and and why is he saying it publicly? so uh, we'll see we'll see where it goes from here but I think they had to get in alignment mm. as an as a organization and I think we all knew we all saw from the end of last season. Bruce Boudreau really wasn't the coach for Jim Rutherford and Patrick Albine. And I think, you know, until they rectified that and had a coach that, that they believe is, has the same priorities that they do and what they're trying to teach and what they're trying to make this team become, then, then they weren't going to move They weren't going to move forward. And I don't know if Rick Tockett's going to be a good coach. I don't know if he's going to be a bad coach. But he's their coach, which already puts him a step ahead of what Bruce Boudreaux was.
1: Yeah, and I think a lot of – because I see a lot of people texting in too and, and saying stuff like, well, they should have just stayed with Boudreaux if they wanted the high draft pick. Why well, try to bring structure in to make them play a lot better? But I think there's going to be a lot of growing pains through the rest of the season. Even talking himself talked about how, hey, it's not really about, yes, we're trying to win games. I want to win every game. But what we're trying to implement right now is the process of how we're doing things differently and how we're getting setting the stage for the future and beyond just this season. So it's going to be really interesting to me to see... How this team plays rest of the season? Because I'm I'm not convinced they're going to be able to win a lot of hockey games. Like I just don't. I'm not convinced this big coaches bump is going to happen. This team's all of a sudden going to click and play this real strong hockey. I think it's going to be a big adjustment period for them to figure things out.
2: I think they're going to get some wins initially. They'll, there'll be some bounce this week, mm-hmm. and they have a weak schedule this week. Although they you know they're playing Seattle on the second half of back to back. So that's not weak, but the the two home games they've got, they should win. And then they have a break to kind of recharge. And I think everybody's mentally tired and maybe physically tired, but especially mentally tired. So I think they'll win some games, but it's not going to be a, a good team. We're not going to see whatever, whatever winning percentage that, that 37 or 32, 15 and 10, was for Bruce Boudreau last year. We're not going to see that for Rick Tockett from now to the end of the year. So I don't think there's much danger of them playing themselves out of a good uh, draft position. Uh, I, I think from now to the end of the year, this is all about about foundational work and setting standards and expectations for, for what, they, what they want from this team next season and, and in years uh, after that. Uh, because clearly uh, nobody's happy with what has happened this year. Um, You know, all you have to do is see where they are in the standings, look at their team defense, lots of other metrics you can look at that just show how poor this hockey club has been. And it seems almost farcical now, but the, the baseline expectation of everybody in the organization when the season started was that they should be a playoff team. And so that's how far they've gone backwards. They can't. They're, they're not going to go from how far they are now backwards back to where they wanted to be in these final thirty-six games. It's all about. It's all about trying to get a foothold of a new culture and, and set expectations and establish how uh, how Rick Tocket wants the team to play and i don't think they're going to win a whole lot while they're doing it but then next year we'll we'll see and and of course there's a ton of wild cards there's a ton of question marks now with the organization what happens to the players who are on the team what's going to happen between now the trade deadline what's going to happen this summer who are they going to bring in it's it's impossible right now to know what kind of team they're actually going to have next year other than based on how poor the team has been this year, it's unlikely that it's going to be a quantum leap forward in one season.
0: So going over and through your piece uh, on JT Miller uh, at Sportsnet.ca, a lot of um, revealing quotes. You know, Miller's often been a good quote uh, when he's been here with the Vancouver Canucks, but it did feel like he was even more open and more maybe specific with what areas of his game have been an issue and you know he's talked about the emotion that's sort of been there for all of us to see ever since he became a vancouver canuck imac but you know part, the the cynic in me is like well at 30 years old are do you are you really able to change who you are at this point um but you know jt like that's that's a big task for him is getting that emotion in check
2: well how dare you dan richo he's only 29
0: oh well, a few months a few months away <laughs> yes.
2: Yeah, I, I can see that. It, it's it's all about, you know, the talk is nice and and it, and it was uh, I found really interesting and and revealing and you know I he did a scrum yesterday and I was I talked to him a little bit before the scrum and then I circled back after and talked to him some more and after you know the cameras had turned off I asked him about these these back checks and and the line changes and and why. You know, it seems simple to us. So, what are we not understanding? And and he he actually said, you know, he's he's glad that I I asked him that because he's been wanting to talk about this and wanting to explain it, and uh, you know, made basically owned the the really bad moments that he's had, such as that game in in Calgary, where he got roasted by the Hockey Night in Canada panel. For a non-back check, and then later in the game, went for a line change on another Calgary goal, and he he owned that. But he also said it, it feels like his people are defining him now by these few really bad moments, and and maybe not seeing a lot of a lot of the other ones. But the bottom line is, he admits that he has an issue and has to be better at this. He said again how. Often in these cases, he's he's frustrated. He's mad at himself, and he he said it's like his his body almost just pauses, like it just he stops moving his feet, and it and it's like he just blacks out. That was the word he used. It's almost like he just blacks out for for a second, and then realizes, oh, I better get going, and, and this that. So that's that's something he's got to work on. But it's kind of you know it, it it's really representative, I think of of what talk it is going to try to do or needs to do with, with all of their top players. Like, and, and I don't mean that, you know, nobody's back checking or nobody's going for line changes, but there, there are a lot of, you know, bad habits on this team. That's how you, that's how you become 31st in goals allowed uh, with people taking shortcuts and some bad habits. And I think, again, that's going to be these little details, which, seem like fundamentals they seem like you know if if you played triple a Wee hockey or bantam maybe somebody taught you skate all the way to the bench on a change maybe somebody taught you when you give up the puck put your head down and bust your ass to get back but it's these aren't these aren't traits that we see uh in this team and i think there's going to be a lot of sort of hockey 101 and a lot of the basics that uh, Tockett is going to try to emphasize, not just with, just with J.T. Miller, but the whole team, but with J.T. Miller himself. It's, it's going to be a fascinating case study because he's uh, arguably the worst defender at some of those things, some of those details, and he's also one of the, the most established and biggest players on the team and one of the biggest leaders on the team and is about to start a $56 million contract. So there's a lot of reasons why there's going to be eyes on JT Miller and seeing how he adapts. But it's like the whole team has to get better at some of these basic things.
1: There, yeah, there are a lot of things they have to improve on. And, and that's why I'm just overall skeptical on the timeline of all this happening and coming together this year. But long term, I can see a lot of these things kind of resonating. And, you know, on the JT front, I know Tockett mentioned that they wanted to play center. He likes the idea of him playing center. The organization really, you know, believes that he can play center, and that's one of the reasons they signed him. How How much are you looking at the rest of the season with that being more viable? Like, do you think this is going to be a big determining factor about how it gets utilized next season?
2: Uh, I think it will. I think, you know, unless unless they have second thoughts and, and they're trying to find their way out of this contract. And, and I have no indication that that's the case. And I think also realistically, nobody's taken on JT Miller in 56 million right now. Um, unless as long as he's going to be here, they have to make him a center. Like eventually, whether that happens between now and the end of the season, whether it's next year, the only way that contract works is with JT Miller as a center. And especially once Bo leaves. And I do think that, you know, the, all the drama of the last week hasn't changed the difficult reality that Bo Horvat is probably going to be traded. You know, once Horvat is gone and all you have is, is Pedersen and Lazar and drives and, we haven't seen Stednica much at center and Neil Amon is, is down in, in Abbotsford, you know, that there's going to be an imperative need that, that he plays center. So I think it's good that they're trying it now. Like why wait, get him as many reps as he can. He also, uh, you know, and I didn't include it in my, my piece just because there's only so many words that people can stand as readers at one time. But JT also told me yesterday, he thinks his problem playing center at the start of the year is he was so focused on trying to be aware defensively that he completely was without instinctive play with, without any kind of feel for the game. And he said he was trying to, um, trying to be so careful about where he was and processing. I should be here. I should be there that he said he was often just standing still. And, he like most players are not very good when they're standing still, and he talked about the benefit of playing on the wing because it's mm-hmm. got him, you know, moving his feet. It's a much more instinctive kind of game. Uh, there's not as much to process. The defensive responsibilities are different, but ultimately he wants to. He, he wants to be a center. He thinks he's a center, so I'm sure he's he's going to. Um, you know, embrace this opportunity to show again that he can play center. But ultimately this is a, this is something that has to be successful for this hockey club to make his contract
1: work. Yeah. I mean, what you just mentioned is something we talked about uh, on the show quite a bit and reaches preached it quite a bit too. that a lot of trying to overcompensate, which gets in the way of being effective down the middle. But one thing that was also clear and I'm not trying to, you know, because it's, it's very clear too that JT spoke about how much he respected Boudreaux and We heard we had the Russo story, you know, citing how JT sent a very nice note to Boudreau. But one of the things that he mentioned himself was that he was kind of frustrated about the line changes and that he thought he should be playing center this whole time. And it, it does seem like he was a bit frustrated with his usage and what he was asked to do, because I think if he had his had his way, he would have played center all year to this point.
2: Yeah, uh, that's possible. But he was so bad. Like I don't. There's lots of things where I would, I would question things that Bruce did. Yeah. But JT was so poor at the start of the season. Like it's. I think his expected goals at one point was in the twenties after several a bunch of games. Like he was just getting caved in territorially. That I, I think it was the right thing to do to put him back on the wing try to try to get him going, get him, get him moving his feet, get him, you know, some positivity again. And and I think that worked. Uh, I think that worked. So whether JT would want to have done it all year, um, you know, he had a chance to do it all year if he'd done better at the start. And the fact is he didn't, but again, long-term, you know, he wants to play center. The team wants him to play center. And and it's it's going to have to work, you know. Once once Bo Horvat's no longer around, J T. Miller's going to have to be a center. So uh, I'm glad that this is what he wants to do, but he also needs to to do it well. Like it's the like all the guys who want a chance on the power play, or or what you know say last year where you know Petey and and Quinn wanted on the penalty killing. Well, they've been on the penalty killing all year, and look where it is. Uh, they're still on the penalty killing, which is another issue. But, um, you know, you have to, if you get a chance to do what you want to do, then you need to make the most of it. And it's uh, it's probably that way in everything, not just in, in hockey, but certainly in the NHL, um, you know, it's 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 a show me league. So if you want to do it, then show me you can do it.
0: One of the things about this week that's very apparent, and uh, you know, they make this coaching change. All we've been hearing about is habits and, and culture. You know, they've really bet big on player development, and it's seemingly had a positive effect on the Abbotsford Canucks. They bring in Gonchar and Foot to maybe help their defense that maybe lacks talent at the high end. All of this is a big bet on coaching. I Mac rather than you know, the rebuild sort of motto that a lot of people in Vancouver have been clamoring for, do you think that's the right bet to make with this roster?
2: Well, I don't really know what you're asking me, Dan. Like well, like, say, how much
0: how much can coaching, you know, help your team internally? Like, th- they're yeah. betting that their coaching and player development can, can grow this team internally with, you know, some modest changes around the edges, it seems.
2: Yeah, I haven't heard that. I haven't heard anybody talking about modest changes. I think there's going to be significant changes. And, you know, the, we've we've mentioned Bo. Uh, Brock has been on the trade block for, for two months. I think eventually there'll be some kind of deal with Brock. There's, you know, buyouts and who knows what else this, this summer. So I think there's going to be sig- significant change. Whether that means that they just give up assets for draft picks, I would doubt that because if they're on the record, uh, Rutherford as saying that that's not what his, what his intent is. They're looking for, for young players. And if you're trading good players and you need good young players back, not hope bets, not guys who, well, they haven't really worked out where they've been, maybe we can turn them around. You need to do better than that if you're trading uh, Bo Horvat. But I, I, I think there's probably gonna be a lot of people who are disappointed that it isn't just draft picks that they're going after, but that's that's not uh that's not the formula they're trying to use here. So to your point, can can coaching make a difference? <laughs> Absolutely. Coaching makes a difference. Coaching always makes a difference. But it's not gonna turn them into uh something they're not. Like a a good goalie and last year let's look at what the kind of season Thatcher Demko did a good goalie might do more for you than, than a good coach. Um, if you have uh, a player who can get you a hundred points and 40 or 50 goals, that might do more for you than a good coach, but the coach always matters. And uh, I think in this case, he matters because the team has no identity. All it's done is bleed goals it wouldn't really, you know, it, it. The way the team is playing, and has played, you can change people on the team. It's not probably going to make a whole lot of difference because they're so flawed in how they play. And so, in that respect, I think I think the coach is really important. But ultimately, talent is talent, and depth is depth, speed is speed. You need all these things, and the Canucks don't have don't have enough of it. You know, if they get a coach who's in in line with management and can can establish some of these minimum standards for how the team plays and what's expected of players. I think that makes a big difference.
0: Hi, uh, Mac. Enjoy that tea and uh, enjoy the <laughs> game tonight.
2: I will, and I'll uh, be back on radio in a bunch of hours with Satscha. <laughs> oh, we got it. We're looking forward to it. Sats
0: just not getting off radio, and uh, only only to do the the intermission panel. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, all Ian right, McEntire. guys. I'll see you at the game. Yeah, there he is, uh, Ian McIntyre, joining us. Here on Canuck Central. Yeah, like the uh, the bracelet on my ankle doesn't let me get uh, more than a few hundred feet away from the radio booths.
1: So that's why I can do TV during intermission. Yeah,
0: Exactly. If it's not one, you're doing the other. That's the bottom line. I'm at the rink no matter what. <laughs> uh, so we're, we're going to get into more of these topics um, coming up. Also get into uh, the pregame as well. Chicago Blackhawks in town. It is uh, the Lotto Bowl, uh, essentially, tonight. And, and maybe even... Another part this week with uh, Columbus coming to town on Friday. We're going to have Brad Larson on the show this coming Thursday, coach of the Columbus Blue Jackets. It's Dan Riccio, Satyar Shah. We're in the KinTech studio. You are listening to Canuck Central.